Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us bad. My name is Bill, this is episode 183. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I'll try to speak up uh, because I know it can be hard to hear what with all the uh, fluid in your ears from the melting skin and sweat that has poured in there from the recent heat waves we've been experiencing. So, yeah, I hope everyone's doing all right, staying cool. By the time this episode is going out, I suspect the heat wave has has dissipated. That's a good word, isn't it? Dissipated? I've been to college. I can show off with good words. Don't ask me to spell it, though. Speaking of showing off... Gonna prove that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike Hughes Oh, big news. I gotta find it here now, but I think when I was flipping through Facebook the other day, I noticed that there may be a date announced for a rocket launch. Ooh. Oh, well... Okay, it's not that exciting. Uh, the post was, A shredded parachute tries to slow down, slow the rocket on one of Mad Mike's first launches. Asterisk. The film is scheduled for release August 11th via online streaming sites TBA. Get ready. Little face emoji with the hearts in the eyes. Alright, so not, allowed, uh, not a date for launching a rocket, a date for launching a movie about supposedly launching a rocket. That comes out on... August 11, the meme that they've posted is a parachute floating through the air with a bunch of holes in it. That moment you look up and realize you should have brought, should have bought a better parachute for your rocket. Ha ha ha. The previous post to that has a quote from Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan lays down some truth about closely held belief systems. Quote, A big problem with people is they commit themselves to believing in something, and then anything contrary to that belief gets fought viciously. Joe Rogan, The Joe Rogan Experience. Also, I'm not seeing it right now, but I thought I saw something that said that they've changed the name of the page. The, the little uh, little photo thing still says Rocket Man, but the, the name of the page says Rocket Man, Mad Mike's mission to prove the flat earth. I think that's different. I think it used to just say Rocket Man or something. I don't know. All right. I guess that's about it. So now we know when that movie, the Rocket Man movie that isn't about Elton John is coming out. That'll be August 11th. Set your DVRs for that, or whatever. I, I'm not sure how they're going to be streaming it, or where. Bill, you say, are you going to watch this movie? Um, the, you know, the, the sort of latent journalist part of me. Once upon a time, I was a journalist, in college anyway. I, I kind of feel like, well, maybe I should, since I've, I've sort of um, uh, ensconced myself in this role of uh, reporter on the goings-on with Mad Mike, so I kind of feel like I should. But then the rest of me that's like, I got better things to do with my time, uh, feels like, well, no, you have better things to do with your time. Like watching the end of Stranger Things, which I did last night, finally. Who boy. Oh, wait, I guess I should close up the, uh, I guess I should launch my hole-filled parachute and uh, bring bring uh, this Mad Mike update in for a landing. So, uh, here we go. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. 
so anyway, yeah, Stranger Things 3. Uh, so I was watching it last night, episode 8, I'm really into it. Oh man, this is a really exciting episode. It feels almost like a finale. And then I realized, oh, it is a finale. Uh, and it was. It was the last episode of the season. I thought it was a 10-episode season. Uh, so I was not only entertained by the episode, but shocked to discover, hey, they're wrapping everything up for the season. And I won't spoil anything, but holy crap, it was an ending. I couldn't decide if it was an ending designed to be an ending, or if it was an ending designed to lead us into season four. Those of us who watch these things know that there is going to be a season four, but I don't know if they knew that when they made this. So, because it works either way. It, it could be an ending, or it could be a, 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 lead, a leader into a new season. I don't know. Uh, which is the sign, I think, of good writing. Because they were prepared either way, I think. So, yeah, go watch Stranger Things, if you're not. Well, and you're, you're a little bit older. Maybe little kids, not so much. Teenagers... I was at Books A Million recently. Shout out to Books A Million. Go on to pod, uh, sponsor the podcast. Hit me up. Um, I was in Books A Million recently. And they had they got these uh, Stranger Things action figures and things. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want some. But I wasn't there shopping for those. But I saw some, some kids who were like teenagers. Really excited about these Stranger Things action figures. Which just struck me as odd somehow. But the, a thing that an old man like me likes uh, also excites uh, excited these kids. So that's uh, that's cool. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, speaking of making things out of other things, which we weren't really, but anyway, New Line Cinema is going to make a Space Invaders movie. Because of course they are. Looking at an article from Twinfinite.net, New Line Cinema has announced that it will be making a movie version of the classic 1978 arcade game Space Invaders. They were following up on a report by Deadline, saying that Warner Brothers has bought the rights to the franchise. Or they did so years ago. And it's now on the launch pad uh, for New Line Cinema to make it a reality. No cast or director has been announced, but they have hired Greg Russo to write the script. Russo previously wrote the script for the movie reboot of Mortal Kombat, which New Line Cinema also put out. He's also going to write the sequel to the live-action Death Note movie for Netflix, the screenplay for the Saints Row adaptation cur currently being directed by the Fate and the of the Furious and Men in Black International Director F. Gary Gary. That's not a typo, I assume. And rewrote the Resident Evil reboot for Constan Constantin Film and Sony. So I'm guessing since they haven't even written the script yet, there's, uh, not surprisingly in this article, there's not much, uh, not any detail about story. Uh, they do note that a new collection of six Space, Space Invaders games called Space Invaders Invincible Collection will be coming to Nintendo Switch in Japan sometime in 2020. Which reminds me of a thing that I saw recently. Was it Southwest Airlines just gave everybody on a flight Nintendo Switches? See, if you now you guys, if you got one of these, you can get this uh, Nintendo or uh, Space Invaders game collection. Uh, and then you can report to us whether it's any good or not. So that's exciting. Hey, if uh, this scriptwriter Russo, if he drops out, or just doesn't work for some reason, hit me up. Uh, I do a little writing. Uh, I'll write you a Space Invaders script. Uh, give me a call. We'll talk. In other news, Nolan Bushnell, you might have heard of him, is in the gaming biz again. He who helped found Atari back in the day has now come up, come out with a board game, which debuted, as I understand it, at Comic-Con, which is, as I record this, still going on right now. I'm recording on the Sunday. As you know, frequently, these episodes come out on Sunday, and frequently I record the next week's episode on the Sunday prior, 
which means that sometimes for newsy type things, I'm a little bit delayed. So I don't know what exactly came out of Comic-Con about this game, but I can tell you that there was reportage saying that he was going to debut the game at Comic-Con. Uh, this article I'm looking at from BGR.com. Nolan Bushnell's famous dictum about what makes for a great game is that it should be, quote, easy to learn, difficult to master. This guiding philosophy no doubt underpins Saint Noir, N-O-I-R-E, an intriguing new board game that uses Amazon's Alexa assistant and future overlord of society. That's me editorializing. And which the Atari founder will be showing off at Comic-Con. It's a product of X2 Games, an enterprise started by Bushnell and Zay Ortiz, a creative director from Hollywood termed Game Maker. They're going to be premiering the game uh, built around a detective story on the MD bo- uh, hashtag MDBoat during Comic-Con on Saturday, July 20. Celebrated writer-director Kevin Smith will host a live show with the pair. They'll talk about the game itself in a presentation to con- convention-goers, as well as talk about the evolution of gamification. The game is being billed as the first voice-controlled murder mystery board game. In the press materials from X2 Games, they wrote, There's been a murder in the small town of St. Noir, and the killer is promised to strike again. Can you solve the mystery before time runs out and the killer gets away? Find the clues, question suspects, and trust absolutely no one. Someone is lying, and if you're going to crack the case, you'll need to figure out who. You'll need to figure out who. Your move, detective. You can pre-order this thing for $39.99 from Amazon, shocking, ahead of its August 15 release. Players have until the end of seven nights to solve a murder case. During every turn, you either choose to examine a location for evidence, choose to question someone, or accuse a suspect. You win by correctly identifying and accusing the correct suspect before the end of the seventh night. You lose by you lose early by making two incorrect accusations. It's a board game, but in addition to cinematic background sounds, you hear dialogue performed by actors who play a dozen different characters and perform more than 2,500 scripted lines. That amount of dialogue also allows for replayability. Each new game uses randomized killer and victim. Hmm. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I made family and friends play lots of games of Clue, the board game. And then at some point, and this dates me, but a lot of you listening are my age anyway, so uh, we're all in the same boat. I had, I had the video cassette version of Clue, where you put, you put it in the VCR, kids go ask your parents, and you would watch a scene... And then you would have, like, the Clue board, a version of the Clue board. And you would do the basic Clue things, trying to eliminate suspects and rooms and weapons and things. And then you'd watch another scene, and it'd be actors, at, you know, playing the different, you know, Mr. Green and Professor Plum and uh, Miss Scarlet and all that. And I think they added a couple of characters for the, uh, for the, the video version. And you had the butler who would come out at the beginning and explain that he's never a victim nor a murderer, et cetera, et cetera. And I was really excited to get this, but I could never get anyone to play it with me. So ultimately what I did, and this is you know, sad, pathetic build time, I, I ended up watching, I don't know if I ended up watching the whole thing or not, but I kind of watched as a movie, because it kind of was. The the, uh, the scenes span, you know, the guests arriving at this party all the way until the next morning. You know, and the manual's laid out like chapters of a book. So yeah, so I had that, but I could never get anyone to play it. So, which leads me to the, the point that this game sounds intriguing, but boy, I don't know who you're, you're going to be able to get people to play it. Maybe you will. Um, people who love their Alexas or something. I suppose. I get it. Because it takes seven nights to play it. That's the thing. It's one thing if you get a group of friends over to your house for beer one night, and you, you get, you, you know, 
you activate the Alexa and you play this game. But this one you have to commit to up to like seven nights. Um, and that seems like a big ask to me. I don't know. As always, if any of you guys play it, uh, I, I don't have an Alexa here. So I, I can't play it here. But if any of you guys play it, let me know what you think. All right, well, let's move on. What do you say we talked about this week's game? Okay, Bill. This week's game is Firefly from Mythicon 1983. Test pilot log, March 17, 2093. On what started to be the routine high-speed test of interplanetary craft Delta-12, a power plant malfunction caused the craft to skip off the rim of a small black hole. After experiencing level 5 turbulence, I became unconscious. Upon awakening, I found myself in a time and place unknown to me, the craft having been completely destroyed. The place I'm in is inhabited by giant bug-like creatures. Through thought waves, the inhabitants explain that they are part of a culture originally insect like but now almost entirely mechanical. As their biological body parts began to age beyond effective use, they replaced them with mechanical parts. Through their will to survive, they eventually crafted an entire society composed of machines. During this gradual conversion from living matter to machinery, a group of the inhabitants started programming themselves to survive, even at the expense of others in the society. They became known as the Bad Bugs. After the complete metamorphosis to computer-controlled minds, these bugs began attacking the good creatures. Because of my human reasoning and ability as an experienced test pilot, the good bugs have asked for my help. I have been put in command of the best machine bug on their planet. My task of saving the good bugs should prove extremely difficult since the bad bugs have creature machines programmed solely for the purpose of stopping me. I will, however, be awarded valuable treasures by the good bugs for every enemy I eliminate. To further complicate my task, the good bugs have asked me to rescue the last remaining living creature on their planet, the pixie. They have warned me to be very cautious when approaching the pixie, since it is constantly guarded by a killer machine bee. That sounds like a pretty good premise for a game, doesn't it? Could be epic, this game. I wonder if it is. Let's find out. Firefly by Mythicon offers tremendous variety in the types of enemies you as Firefly will encounter. By continually moving from one screen to the next, you are actually playing several games in one. Each enemy moves differently and requires different skills of the game player. The first challenge is to rescue the pixie while appearing easy. Be cautious of the enemy bee. He is very good at determining where you are, and his sting is deadly. Should you survive and rescue the pixie, you are faced with the flaming pumpkin. He is so hot that merely touching him will be fatal. He also has an unlimited supply of deadly pumpkin seeds to fire at you. The next screen brings you to the true meanness of the demons. Their touch and cannon shots are to be avoided at all costs. The bats will be waiting should the unlikely occur and you survive. The bad bugs aren't, wor aren't worried, however, since they have a sun full of shooting balls of fire ready to ruin your day. If that isn't enough, you can try your luck your luck against the coiled serpents. For the truly talented players who make it through this series of bad bug tricks, don't worry. They will all be there again for your next journey through the land of the bad bugs. Alright, so we're using the joystick for this one. Turn the power on. That's a great way to start the game. Joystick moves the firefly left, right, up, and down, and diagonally. The red fire button on the joystick fires energy shots at the enemies. You fire in the same direction as you are facing. You are only allowed one shot at a time. Once your missile goes off the screen, you are able to fire again. It's not possible to move left off the screen. All additional screens are to the right. Ball controllers work very well with Firefly, which I can actually see now. I don't have, still don't have, a ball controller. I really should get one, but I don't have one right now. 
but seeing that in the manual makes me think, yeah, that would actually have been easier. Games like Switch allows you to choose the level of difficulty and whether one or two players will be playing. Level 1 is a practice mode, one player, no scoring, and limited lives. Level 1 player 1, score for successfully shooting enemies, additional scores for picking up treasures and saving the pixie. Level 1 2 players, play alternates starting with the left controller. Level 2 1 player, enemies are more difficult to shoot. Level 2 2 players, uh, more difficult, obviously. I uh, start by hitting the reset button, scoring. You get uh, a range of points, 10 points for, for enemies, 20 for pumpkins, 30 for rescuing the pixie, 99 for recovering a treasure. Remaining lives are displayed at the top of the screen. You start with three lives. Difficulty is determined by selecting the practice first level or second level of difficulty, which we already talked about. And that's it. That is how you play Firefly. All right, well, spoiler here, not to put too fine a point on it, um, but this is a bad game. How bad? In an article by DeafSparrow.com, itemizing what they determined to be the 10 worst Atari 2600 games, Firefly was number one. Here it is, my friends. The article says, if you don't agree with this pick, seriously, play it. Find it, learn about it, and then play it. Firefly is easily the worst game for the 2600, probably the worst game in the world. Mythicon and what it represents is one of the reasons for the video game crash, and when you see Firefly, you'll understand. Also on their list, just uh, briefly, Starship, Karate, Bugs, Flag Capture, Space Jockey, Firefighter, which I might take issue with. I actually kind of like Firefighter. 3D Tic-Tac-Toe, Mr. Dew's Castle, I Want My Mommy. They don't technically put E.T. on their list, although they start the article by talking about how everyone says E.T. is the worst game. The video game critic gave the game an F. Firefly's control is atrocious, the animation is jerky, and the non-stop background noise is unbearable. Of all the games in my 2600 collection, this may well be the most worthless. Woodgrain Wonderland opens its review with, God, what a miserable selection of games all in a row. I never realized how bad some of the alphabetical clusters games were until I took on this project. Some people consider Firefly the worst 2600 game ever. I don't think it's quite that bad, but it sure as hell ain't good either. Firefly is your standard 2600 shovelware, which sets it apart in the god-awful sound- What sets it apart is the god-awful soundtrack. Three bars of what is supposed to be some kind of musical ditty on an endless loop, and it's just horrendous. That and the repetitive gameplay earns Firefly a D, and I'm being generous. Yay, Daddy! Hi, Henry. What is this game? Called Firefly. Hey everybody, Henry's here. Sup? He just wandered in. He's asking how you play Firefly. Uh, we'll see that little flashing thing over here? Is this supposed to be a Firefly? Yes. And these are flowers. And these are the bad guys, like the bats and the bees and things that want to attack you. And you just fly over and you shoot them. And when you shoot them, you get treasure. <laughs> if you wanted to know whether this was a bad game or not, when I explained the premise to Henry just now, he wordlessly turned around and left the room so there you go that is firefly that is this week's game uh oh and to be clear this game nothing to do with classic sci-fi series firefly starring uh the beloved nathan fillion which ran on fox for one season from september 20 to december 20 2002 which i'm not even sure it was a full season you might be better served after you finish listening to this episode to, instead of go, going to seek out Firefly, go find a DVD or a stream of uh, Firefly. 
your time is probably better spent in such a manner. All right. Well, after the break, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, but can you yell, your fly is down? Discuss. Firefly, which again has nothing to do with the popular sci-fi show with Nathan Fillion and a bunch of other people. So, with that disappointing caveat, let's get started. No, no, no. Game one, which is a pretty simple level, but for purposes of talking and playing at the same time, I'm going easy on myself. Not that it matters because, spoiler, this is a bad game. All right, let's get it over with. It's a very colorful game. I just shot something colorful. I guess I saved the pixie. Oh, the Flaming Pumpkins. I love the Flaming Pumpkins. They're my favorite band. The flowers look good at the bottom of the screen, I guess. If you know their flowers, they kind of look more like the... Uh, uh, the dragon things in, um, oh shoot, what is it? I want to say Journey. It's not Journey. And my game's over. Oh, no it's not. There we go. We got the diamond ring. I just ran into something because I wasn't paying attention. Oh, it's bugging me now what these flowers look like. Alright, let's play again. That flashing light at the end of the game hurts my eyes. I don't know what those are supposed to be. Maybe those are the flaming pumpkins. I just got beamed by a, beamed by a flaming pumpkin. Aha, I got a bag of money. Pixie! Oh wait, maybe that's the evil. I'm very confused. I guess that's the evil bee. Looks up more like a pixie to me. <sighs> Evil Otto with a bad hairdo, which is what that flaming pumpkin looks like. Got me. Um, should I do this again? I don't know. That music is kind of relentless. Alright, we'll try it one more time. Stupid pumpkin. I guess if you fly down into the flowers, that's bad. Ha ha, gotcha, stupid pumpkin, suck it. I don't know what those things are, demon things are supposed to be. 
Alright, you know what? This is hurting my head, playing this game. So, I'm going to take some Tylenol. Shout out to Tylenol. If you'd like to sponsor the show, email me. And uh, in the meantime, back to you in the studio. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about Firefly. In the time that you were listening to the field report and those uh, promotions and things, my opinion of the game hasn't gotten any better. I've only played a little bit today. I'm pretty sure it will go into the uh, old soda bottle crate that I keep my loose carts in, uh, and I will probably never touch it again. So I won't get rid of it because I have become something of a completist on a quest, uh, a futile quest, I'm sure, to get all of the games. So I, you know, I'm not going to get rid of it for any for any reason, but I certainly, if I ended up with an extra cartridge of this game, I would not hesitate to get rid of that. But I, it's unlikely that I will play it again. It's a pretty game, but it's not a fun game. It's Jill! She just came in to talk about Firefly. What do you know about Firefly, Jill? Their butts light up. <laughs> well, you're correct. Firefly butts do light up. That would make this game a lot better if, if that happened, but... Do you want to play Firefly? No. I want to go change my clothes. She would rather, like, you know, have clean clothes than play Firefly. And when I told Henry about it, he just turned around and left the room. See, people? Nobody likes this game. My scientific survey has proven that. All right. But you know what people do like? Stories. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Hell Serial. Dax Letterson, ace test pilot, blinked hazel eyes into the unforgiving New Mexico sun. He pulled down the zipper of his flight suit a bit and pulled out his phone. 8.15 a.m.? That couldn't be right. Only a moment ago, it was 7.31. Also a moment ago, he was in an experimental aircraft approaching Earth's upper atmosphere. Wasn't he? He was pretty sure. Letterman wondered... Start that. Letterson wondered if he should call someone. But who? To say what? Yeah, this is Major Dax Letterson. Can y'all, bail, can y'all tell me if I was up in a plane this morning? I can't quite recollect. The scent of chorizo and green chili breakfast burritos filled Letterson's nostrils. His stomach growled. He looked to his right. The only visible structure was a ramshackle breakfast joint. Fancy that coincidence. 
Not that it mattered. Larderson was starving. He'd just spotted an oasis in this desert. And it had a griddle. How he'd gotten here could wait. His stomach could not. A rusty little bell overhead tinkled when Letterson stepped through the restaurant door. The bell fell and rolled in a half circle before coming to rest by a newspaper box that hadn't seen a newspaper since Reagan was in office. Letterson stepped to the counter and took a seat. The swivel bar seat creaked a little, but there was no one else in the restaurant to disturb. Letterson caught a glimpse of himself in the grease-smudged side of a napkin holder. A small cut on his cheek had bled into his beard, staining some of the flecks of gray. How did that get there? He smirked, meaning the cut and the gray. The swinging door of the kitchen opened and a pixie-ish girl of 19 or so emerged in a waitress outfit in pristine white apron. She had a pot of coffee and a wide smile. Morning, she said. Coffee? Yes, please, Letterson said, and the girl filled his cup. She didn't have a name tag. In his head, Letterson called her Salem, though he wasn't sure why. Could I get a breakfast burrito, he asked. Salem smiled. Well, she said, you could, but we've got something better. What's that? Cereal. Cereal? Letterson repeated. Like cornflakes? Better, Salem said. It's an awesome mix of corn, rice, and oats with just a bit of sugar and vanilla for flavor. We toast it right here in the flames below. That is, in our own specially built oven. Letterson frowned. I don't know, he said. Those burritos smell really good. Salem laughed. Oh, those aren't burritos you're smelling. It's something else. Anyway, can I bring you a bowl? You won't regret it. What did he have to lose? Load me up, Letterson said. Salem moved back toward the kitchen. Letterson thought he noticed the slightest hitch in her step. Moments later, she returned with the bowl of cereal. As she set it down, she craned her neck as if trying to relieve stiffness. Hmm, I got a good chiropractor that could fix that up, Letterson said. Then looked down at the bowl. The crispy bits looked good, as cereal can look. Letterson poured some milk from the small metal decanter next to the bowl. Salem smiled. Nothing can help me. She held up a second bowl, this one with fruit. Blueberries? Salem asked. Picked fresh. Please, Letterson said. The cereal stayed surprisingly crisp in the milk. The crunch was pleasing. Notes of vanilla and cinnamon played across Letterson's tongue. Hey, you're right, he said as he took another spoonful. Not bad. Salem blinked a few times, smiled, and turned away. A faint whir filled the diner's silence. More, Salem started to say, but as the word coffee trembled from her tongue, she spasmed. Hot java spilled over the counter as the coffee pot clattered to the floor along with her right arm. From the hole in her torso, a metallic apparatus pushed through, quickly formed itself into a wing. The left arm followed suit. Letterson tried to scream as Salem's face peeled away, revealing a robot insectoid face. Beneath, compound eyes regarded Letterson with contempt. Letterson's scream drowned in a wash of skim milk and the most amazing cereal he'd ever eaten. He just couldn't stop. In the next spoonful, the bits of oats were replaced with miniature flaming pumpkins. The heat seared Letterson's lips and tongue, but it just tasted so good. He tried to stand, to run, but the short-order cook, or perhaps short-order dragonfly, buzzed from the kitchen, and the humanoid insect held Letterson in place. Since he couldn't move anyway, Letterson took another spoonful. God, this stuff was good. The two very bad bugs, but decent restaurant staff, communicated via telepathy. They nodded in agreement. In a hiss, the former Salem asked, Want a second helping? 
It took every ounce of Letterson's military training to fight the urge to say, yes. But in the end, all he could mutter is, I think I should go. What do I owe? As he sank back down on the bar stool, waiting for the check. Your money's no good here, the cook said. Maybe just leave a tip. Letterson glanced down as the cereal bowl started to wobble on the counter. Cold milk splashed across the burns on his face as a clawed, beastly hand thrust out from within the bowl, grabbed Letterson by the throat, and pulled the confused patron into the depths of hell. Letterson never even got an after-dinner mint. Within minutes, the diner was reset, pristine as always. Salem, in human form once again, and with a name tag now that said, Vicky, put on a fresh pot of coffee. A woman in hiking gear entered the diner, perched her sunglasses atop her head, and asked, Excuse me, my jeep for some, re some reason suddenly broke down outside. Is it okay if I wait in here until the roadside assistance people show up? I'm starving. Vicky beamed. We'll pull up a chair. We've got just the thing. And that's our show. And before I forget, the game I was trying to think of in the field report the f that the flowers look like. The flowers, to me, in this game, in Firefly, look to me like the dragon thing that you're riding in Joust, which in turn looks to me kind of like Tauntauns from Empire Strikes Back. That's just how my mind works. So if you have other thoughts about what these flowers look like, let me know. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes update theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you know because you're listening to one. Fly on over to Apple Podcasts, though, and light a fire under the other potential listeners by, listen by leaving a review of this show over there. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also look us up on Instagram. Also now, you can call and leave us a voicemail about any damn thing you want by calling 563-265-1978. Got thoughts about Tauntauns, Serial, this game, the podcast, pretty much anything. Call that number, leave a message, maybe I'll play it on the show. Also, please consider supporting the show financially by making a donation on the Atari Bytes Patreon page or by picking up shirts and mugs in the AB underscore pod underscore store on Zazzle.com. Thanks to my current patrons over there on Patreon, Michael Tyler and G. Ray Defender. As I said last week, changes are coming to the Patreon. They're not there yet. Right now I'm building a website, so I will be saying more about that soon. And then after that, changes will be coming to the Patreon. Just please stand by. Hey, hey. Do you love Snoopy? Do you know someone who does? Yes. Yes, you do. Check out my other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Your one-stop shop for all things Peanuts. If it has anything to do with anything in the Peanuts universe. The TV shows, the comic strips, the movies, the merchandise, the mind of Charles Schultz himself. Projects inspired by Peanuts, whether they're books or plays or anything. We talk about it over there once a month on the 15th on It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You guys all grew up with Peanuts, just like I did. You know that. You love this thing. And you definitely know people who've got Snoopy toys in their house, or decals on their car, or whatever. Tell them to listen to this podcast. I appreciate it. Next time, on Atari Bytes, Street Racer. Hmm, I wonder what that's about. 
some sort of space game, perhaps. We'll find out. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.